1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the
0: generosity of
1: our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word.
0: Every time God speaks a hard word to you, if you run... You will end up running so far away from God that his voice will become faint.
1: Today with Jeff Vines. Hi there, I'm Bill. It's good to have your company again on Today with Jeff Vines. And we're continuing with Pastor Jeff and his message about how God will send us encouragement when we grow weary and afraid. It's just one of the seven principles we find in Judges chapter 6 in the life of Gideon. So here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of his message on Today with Jeff Vines.
0: I want to do with you what God did to Gideon in Purah. I want to take you down near the enemy camp. And I want to take you on a little journey and show you why and how, why you don't hear the word of God and the encouragement that you so desperately need and how then you can do an about face and begin to hear the word of God in your life almost every day. Okay. I want to go back and tell a familiar story. I know many of you know this story, but I don't think I've ever really gone into detail about the application at the end of the message. And it's when uh, my roommate and I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee. We were going to Bible college together and our Bible college had a strange rule. We were not allowed to attend a church that wasn't in our particular denomination or movement. And the problem is all the churches in our denomination or movement were just boring. And my roommate and I said, you know, we just, we're not getting fed. We got to find us a church where the, the gospel's being preached and where there's passion in worship. And we found this little Baptist church. Actually, it wasn't little. Downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, Mount Carmel Baptist Church. And uh, they had a fiery young preacher by the name of Dr. Leroy. He was an amazing orator, incredible communicator, PhD in theology. He was well-learned and well-spoken. He had his little idiosyncrasies, but man, that just meant that he could fire you up in a way that no one else can. And on this particular occasion, about 10 minutes into his sermon... My friend, Dell and I were listening intently. He held up his Bible in the air and he said, I want to tell you the first time you don't want to be the Capitilla. And I looked at my roommate and I said, Capitilla? What on earth is a Capitilla? And we kind of start laughing. And at that point, these two elderly gentlemen kind of smacked our hands at the back and said, hey, it's kind of like the remote, you don't laugh at the preacher. But I was only laughing because I couldn't understand. 20 minutes into the sermon, he looked at us and he said, I done told you once, I'm gonna tell you a second time. And he held up his Bible again. He said, you don't wanna be the Capitilla. And by this time, Dell and I are thinking, what on earth is a Capitilla? I mean, what is this thing that we don't wanna be? I mean, we can't obviously be it if we don't know what it is. And then finally, 30 minutes into the sermon, Dr. Leroy Brown, pacing back and forth, man, held that Bible in the air one more time and he looked at the congregation and he said, I'm gonna tell you once, I'm gonna tell you twice, I'm gonna tell you a third time. You don't wanna be the caterpillar. you wanna be the butterfly. And at that point, my roommate and I, it dawned on us that he meant to say caterpillar. You don't wanna be the caterpillar, you wanna be the butterfly. We started laughing, but everybody else took it so seriously and we had to just kind of suppress our laughter, but we did get the point. Dr. Leroy Brown was trying to tell us, if you ever hope to morph from a caterpillar to a butterfly, if you ever hope that you're going to grow so well in intimacy with God that you can hear his voice every day, you're not going to do it apart from the word of God. And that's why he held his Bible up. And then he gave another illustration that I've never been able to share. He said, you know, my wife and I can communicate to each other without saying a word. All she has to do is give me a look. And sometimes not even that because we have such intimacy together that I know what she's thinking and she can just look at me and the message is received loud and clear. What's he saying? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying that if you want to hear encouragement from God, it's not gonna happen outside of the divine revelation of God to you that's taken by the spirit of God in you to activate the right word at the right time in the right place. You say, Pastor Jess, I've heard you say that before, but give me a little bit of proof, okay? Jesus said in John 16, nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. You know that word helper? You, you know the word, right? It's parakletos. It's translated Holy Spirit or spirit, but the word parakletos actually means one who comes alongside. It's the word of encouragement. Okay, now we're learning the real issue. For most of us, the real issue is not that God is not speaking. The real issue is we don't recognize his voice when he does. You hear me? It's not that God is not speaking to you, that you've moved so far away from God that his voice is faint. We lack disciplines in our lives that yield intimacy, which yield communication between us and God. Do you remember what Pastor Leroy Brown said? My wife needs not speak to communicate to me. David said, early in the morning will I seek you. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts, Psalm 63.1. Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, 1 Samuel 3.9. Paul said, what, O Lord, do you want me to do? My wife and I are so intimate at this point in our marriage that we need not speak. Now we do because it's good to hear audible things but they're not necessary. I know what she's thinking and I know what she would desire of me. And she knows what I would desire of her in every given situation because we are so familiar with each other's words and we know each other's minds. And even when I'm not with her, I can receive encouragement from her because I know what she would say when things are tough. Here's my advice to you. You want to hear from God? like Gideon and Purah, do you want to know that God is sending you the right word of encouragement that will give you the ability to move forward? If you want to experience that kind of encouragement every day of your life, to strengthen your heart every day of your life, to face the unfortunate events every day of your life, there's only one way. Saturate your mind with the word of God so that the spirit will have ammunition to fire into your life at the right time and the right place for ultimate encouragement. Listen to the Bible every day. Some of you say, well, I don't like reading. Man, you have no excuse these days. I just got this new Bible app on my phone. And at night, before I go to bed, I just push play and it actually reads for me the Bible and I can listen to the story of the narratives. Right now I'm in the book of Acts and I'm learning again the power of the early church. Get the Bible app that speaks to you. Get an audio app. Read whatever you have to do, but saturate your mind with the word of God. It is the only way forward. You can even get the one with the American reading the Bible, putting on his best British accent because he thinks the Bible sounds more spiritual that way. I don't care who reads it. Just read it. Listen, just do it. You will not believe the encouragement you will find every day as the spirit of God fires the right word at the right time in the right place for the victories of your life. Hey, do you know something? Who is the happiest person and most content man that I know? You know who it is? And for those of you who don't know this name, let me describe him for you. His name is Pastor Phil. Pastor Phil is African-American. He is an incredible man of God. He does not have a lot of money. He lives very, very conservatively, meagerly. He does not have a lot of gained wealth over the course of his life. I think he's nearing 80 years old now. He does not live in luxury. Uh, Pastor Phil is someone that doesn't have uh, perfect health. He's always battling illnesses. He was actually in the hospital a couple of weeks ago, battling fluid around his heart. So you can't say that this is a man who has a life as on easy street. And yet Pastor Phil is the most content, happy joyous man that I know, and here's one thing that you will never hear Pastor Phil say. You will never hear him say that he does not feel or hear from God. Why? Because I know no one who has saturated their mind with the Word of God like Pastor Phil has. That's why when you ask him a question, he usually quotes a scripture. When you, give, when you ask him for advice, the wisdom he gives you comes straight from the heart of God. The needle of a compass constantly turns to the north and our present thoughts go in a certain direction, all of us, and they tend to go in the direction of that which we have put into our souls. Garbage in, garbage out. Spiritual things in, spiritual things out. God has to become the pole star of your being in order that you can hear him every day of your life. And you only do that when you saturate your mind with the word of God through intimacy with God. And then your thoughts flow directly and naturally toward him. Now, quickly, can I tell you the conversation killer? What stifles our ability to hear the word of God? Not only a lack of discipline, But if there's something in your life that God has been challenging you to do for a long time and you simply will not obey him, that is gonna stifle. You know, the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in you, the language of God in you, and yet God convicts you, but you grieve the Spirit. The Spirit becomes saddened because you simply are determined to live in disobedience. The Bible also talks about quenching the fire of the Spirit of God. Think about that, quenching the fire of the Spirit of God in a point to where the conviction that the Spirit gives you to move forward, you ignore it for so long that the fire is gone out. It's lukewarm, even cold. And it's not that God is not speaking. It's that you have positioned yourself in a place where you no longer can hear. The voice of God is faint, not because God has moved, but because you have moved. I can tell you that the hardest thing God ever asked me to do at this point in my life was to go into those prisons of Rwanda the first time. I had lived in Africa. I knew what could happen in those prisons. And I want to tell you the night before, even though God had said, this is what I want you to do. I want to tell you, I did not want to do it. I said, God, use somebody else. These guys that I'm with, they don't understand the danger that we're in. And it's almost like God said, Jeff, listen to me. Trust me, do the hard thing. Am I not a God of grace? Am I not a God of power? Am I not a God who will never leave you or forsake you? Am I not a God who has your best interest in mind? It's almost like God said to me through scriptures, make up your mind what you think about me, what you think about your life, what you think about your death, what you think about suffering. And I want to tell you, when I went through those prison doors and I preached the good news of the gospel and I left that day, that night, I have never felt God to the degree that I felt him then. You say, well, of course, Pastor Jeff. I mean, that's pragmatic. It was adrenaline. That you don't know me. I am not a seeker of adrenaline. I sat in the hotel room while my kids rode the roller coasters. That's me. I sat in the hotel room while the kids jumped off the Victoria Falls Bridge with their mother and their grandfather, who was 76 years old at the time. I sat in the cafe and had a coffee with my mother-in-law, who was 75 at the time, while my kids and my wife and their friends walked with lions in Zimbabwe. I am not a thrill-seeker. I am not the thrill-seeking personality. Mine is one of safety when it comes to the wild. But where God is concerned, I have noticed in my life a pattern when I have done the difficult thing that God has asked me to do. When I've been frightened, when I've been scared, when I didn't really wanna do it, but I did it anyway, I heard the voice of encouragement from God like no other time in my life. I sensed the presence of God like no other time in my life. I felt a sense of heaven like no other time in my life. Every time God speaks a hard word to you, if you run, you will end up running so far away from God that his voice will become faint. God has not moved. You have. Repent, obey, trust, and see if you don't feel the presence and the power and the wisdom of God and see if you will not experience the right word at the right time and the right place as you saturate your mind with the word of God that the wisdom and the power of God begins to overwhelm you. Had Gideon disobeyed God at any point, he would have had failure, defeated. And you think about what would have been at stake, the salvation of the people through whom the Messiah would come. God will send you encouragement when we grow faint-hearted, and he does it through the disciplines of our lives in proximity to intimacy and in proximity to his word. Now, let me finish this sermon. I don't know how many of you know, but Dane Johnson, my buddy, who has led our men's ministry for years is actually retiring at the end of this year. He tells me the story of when his son, Matt, was wrestling and was actually on the wrestling team. He was a freshman at West Covina High School. He said the best way to describe Matt, though, when he was a freshman in high school would be the Pillsbury Doughboy. He had rosy cheeks, lots of flab, and a big white marshmallow. That's what he looked like. And he had just started wrestling in middle school and had determined that it was the road he wanted to take. Dane says, but now he's in high school. And he said, I went down to the gym at his first freshman, sophomore wrestling match. And I wanted to see Matt wrestle in high school. When I arrived though, Matt met me at the door and he had a little conversation. He said, dad, I'm not wrestling for the freshman and sophomore today. I'm wrestling on varsity. He said, our 215 pound weight division participant is sick. And he can't wrestle, so coach asked me to wrestle in his place. Dane says, Matt, he he didn't even weigh 200 pounds. He was underweight and understrong. This was a 14-year-old against a 17-year-old. And not just a 17-year-old wrestler. This was the defending varsity league champion. This was a senior versus a freshman. This was a kid just entering into puberty versus a kid with chest hair coming out of his singlet. This was a boy versus a man. Dane said, I took one look at this big kid and I just began to pray. God, I pray that my son, Matt, comes out of this physically and mentally intact. Lord, please don't let him get injured and don't let him lose his confidence and lose his passion for wrestling. Lord, I'm praying to you for a miracle. Dane said, I could barely watch it. So I ran to the top of the bleachers and sat way up high. But somewhere during the match, Dane said, my pride got the best of me. So I started yelling, go freshman, you can do it. Come on, freshman. go on freshmen. Hold your ground, hold your position. Dane wanted everybody in the auditorium to know that this was a freshman wrestling a senior. Dane says, this senior beat up on my boy for three periods. I mean, he opened up a can of hurt from cross face to arm barn to chicken wing, everything from a pin, and that was surely going to come soon, which would be the ultimate insult after blatant injury. Now, before the match, Matt had told his father, Dane, coach told me that all I needed to do was not get pinned. He said, you don't have to win the match, but if you cannot get pinned, if you do get pinned, they'll get six points and our team will lose the overall match. But if you don't get pinned, they can only get three points and we will win the overall match. And coach said, I'll tell you what, just stay away from him. And Matt, if you wrestle in this match for your team and you don't get pinned, I'm going to give you a varsity letter. A freshman gets a varsity letter. Two and a half periods, Matt laid sprawled out on the mat, on his belly, getting thoroughly and decisively punished, just trying to avoid getting pinned. But halfway through the match, Matt had scored five points because the guy would let him up just to take him down again. You know how wrestling works. You take him down, you get some points, let him up, take him down again, get more points. Of course, every time Matt gets up, he gets a couple of points. So this was the last match of the night and Matt's opponent needed to pin this pesky little freshman in order to win the entire match for his team. Now, the funny thing is, Dane said, it's hard to turn a turtle over. Matt was so roundish and flabby that when the championship wrestler tried to turn him over and pin him, Matt just kept rolling. Finally, age and strength took over, and Matt found himself turned over, belly up, on the mat, very close to having both shoulders touch the mat. Suddenly, from the top row, Dane starts yelling, "'Don't give up! Nothing for free! Hang in there! You can do it! Never say die!' arching his head and rolling back and forth with his shoulders getting closer and closer to the mat, running out of courage and strength, Dane gets on his feet and yells again, fight, 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 you can do it. Suddenly there's a noticeable change. The champion now is trying to pull away from the mat because in an effort to pin Matt, the championship wrestler had gotten too much of his own weight over to one side and was now in danger of being pinned himself. Dane, being a seasoned wrestler, ran down, jumped out of his place, sprinted down the aisle, onto the mat, in front of the scorer's table, got down on his hands and knees and began slamming his fist on the mat, yelling, stick him, stick him. Matt, using his opponent's own weight, headed in the wrong direction, manages to swing him over and down onto the mat. He actually pinned the champion for a moment, but the referee was out of position and didn't see it. Then suddenly the bell goes off. The match is over. But the referee awards Matt two points for the reversal, three points for the near fail, almost pin. Matt wins the match 10 to nine. The champion is defeated. Dane said, Pastor Jeff, I just laid there on the mat totally exhausted as if I had wrestled myself. And all the people in the stands rushed down to the mat and formed this sort of mosh pit to celebrate the victory. And then someone shouted, whose kid is that? And Dane said, that's my kid, that's my son, that's my boy. And Matt's head pops out above and beyond the mosh pit. He sees his father, begins to run toward him. Dane and Matt bear hug each other, fall onto the floor exhausted. And Dane said, you know what, pastor? And I know many of you remember that story, but do you remember the application? You know, that that endeavor spoke three immutable truths to me. Number one, your heavenly father is pulling for you and knows that you are in way over your head. Did you know that? He knows you're limited in your understanding of everything that's going on. He knows you're outmatched by the circumstances of life and this world. He knows you're outmatched by your opponent who wants to pin you to the mat or cause you to surrender. But second, while you're in this battle, do you know what Jesus is doing? He's standing at the right hand of the father. He's standing in heaven and he's exclaiming, don't give up, hang in there, stick this, pin that, fight, 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 persevere, endure, the victory is yours. And he's confessing your name before the father. You may not see why God is allowing this to happen. You may wonder if this is the hand of God, the hand of an enemy, the hand of a fallen world. You may search for answers and never find them. Your eyes may be open to your own finiteness. However... You have an infinite father in your corner and he's shouting and he's pulling for you and he's watching you. He's knelt down beside you on the mat. Stick this, fight, fight, fight. You're this close to an extravagant eternal victory. The way you're handling this wrestling match is compelling to everyone around you. The way you live and the way you die brings people far from God into his presence forever. And when you've won the match and completed the task, your heavenly father runs out on the mat, celebrates with you and yells at the top of his voice, that's my son, that's my boy, that's my girl, that's my daughter. And thirdly, no matter how much noise and confusion is going on around you, no matter what the enemy's trying to pin you down, you will always hear the voice of your dad. Don't worry that your opponent is intimidating or even life-threatening. Fight the good fight, keep the faith, for I hold the keys to life and death. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break with blessings on your head. Father, I thank you and praise you that you did not throw us out into the world to do ultimate good and yet leave us to the wolves, that you are the good shepherd, that you laid down your life for your sheep, and he who would not spare his own son will surely give us all good things, especially the right word, at the right time and the right place for our victories.
1: Well, that's the end of another principle found in Judges for us to apply to our lives about how God will send us encouragement as we grow weary and afraid. I hope that's been encouraging for you. Join us again next time on Today with Jeff Vines when we'll hear about principle number six.
0: Oftentimes, we set about to do something that is honorable and worthy, but we get ahead of God, and we're often defeated because we insist upon our power and our wisdom and our resources. Do you realize how much more you and I could accomplish in our lives if we truly trust God?
1: Today with Jeff Vines.